Jeff. Um, my name's Rochelle, and I'm doing the Bible reading tonight. It comes from Matthew 6, and it's verses 14 and 15. It's a bit big. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Rochelle. <laughs> she did well, didn't she? Yes, handled all those complicated words very, very well. Didn't stumble over anything. It's very good. Very good. It's interesting, though, um, looking at this, these couple of verses that we're looking at this evening, um, I, I was like, great, two verses to preach from. You know, what am I going to fill this service with? And to be honest... I, I can't even touch this. Uh, I'm, not, I'm just going to skim over the top. I'm not going to go into any great depth uh, with these two verses. And for some of you who have a little theological training, you will know that there's other things that we could delve into, which I'm not even going to go anywhere near tonight. So I trust that uh, what I believe I've been given to speak will actually um, speak to you this evening and you'll be challenged by it and um, we will be blessed as a result. Just want to encourage the people at home, we're going to be doing this message, then we're going to be singing a song then we're going to have communion so if you want to prepare those elements uh, that is fantastic for those of you in the auditorium if you don't have one of those cups we'll get someone to distribute one to you uh, before the end of the service or if you'd like to go grab one that's fine as well so I've been given these two verses to speak on and all I can say is wow uh, it, it, it's so incredibly difficult to speak on this. They bring up so many issues and and so many things that we should be covering Let's think about how we respond to those people who hurt us or break our trust, um, those who gossip about us or spread malicious rumours or lies. Basically, what do we do uh, with those people who sin against us and, and would want to harm us? Most of us have that initial reaction of anger or hurt. We want to retaliate. We want to um, react to those things. There's the anger, hurt, grief. There's this feeling of betrayal. And I think those as initial responses are actually okay, that anger, hurt, grief and feeling of betrayal. But it's what we do after these initial reactions that are telling. And so many of us do actually want revenge. We, we want to look for ways to get back at these people. We want to get even. We choose to avoid the other person. We harbour resentment and end up with this bitterness towards that person. Often, we find that we fall into the trap of gossiping and slandering that person who's done the same thing to us. And although we don't like admitting it, we often create a file, either within our mind or an actual physical file, where we put away all those things that have been done against us, so that when they're actually needed, we can bring them out in the future to use against this person. But what does God actually say about this? And Pastor Darrell spoke on the Lord's Prayer last week. I didn't get to hear that message. I actually had a night off, which was an incredible blessing for myself and my wife. Uh, but part of what he said was actually Matthew 6, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And I don't know about you, but that just doesn't sit well with me. 
Uh, I'd be much more comfortable if it was the other way around, something more like, help me to be able to forgive others as you have forgiven me, Lord. It just sits better with me. I I, I don't like the obligation that is in Matthew 6.12. And what I would like, this help me to be able to forgive others as you have forgiven me, Lord, That's not what Jesus said, and it's not what is written. And and just in case we try and interpret verse 12 some other way, this is what's actually in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Jesus emphasizes that after the Lord's Prayer, he picks on this one verse out of everything that he could talk about. He picks out this one verse, and he says in 14 and 15 exactly what we've just heard from Rochelle. And I find this truly amazing. It's like God is tying his action, his willingness to forgive to how we react and respond to others. It seems Jesus is saying the way you treat others is exactly the way God is going to treat you. And what we have in a nutshell is confronting. But there's no other way to read it. Jesus is saying, unless you forgive... God's not going to forgive you. Let's pray. Father, it's a hard word tonight. It's something I don't want to hear. It's something I don't want to speak. But it's in your word, Lord. And so, Father, again, I just pray for the truth of your scriptures to be revealed to us. I pray we will be challenged our hearts transformed and, and, and we will know our terrible need of forgiveness from you because we haven't forgiven others as we should. I pray this will be a night where I am humbled, where we are humbled, but then restored, Lord, to live better lives with and for you in this community of SDBC. Speak to us, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Augustine calls these verses a terrible petition. He interpreted these verses to mean that if you were to pray the Lord's Prayer while harboring something against a brother or sister, you're actually asking God not to forgive you. It's a crazy situation. But from these verses, we see that forgiveness is emphasised. And what we need to get our heads around, as I said earlier, is that this is the only aspect of prayer that Jesus felt the need to emphasize. He sees that having, nurturing and growing a forgiving spirit is imperative for a strong, spiritual, prayerful life. What is it that we're being asked to forgive? In verse 12, we are forgiving debts. And in verse 14, we are forgiving trespasses. And when we think about debts, we should think of that which is owed, something that is justly or legally due. And it also means an offence or sin. When we think about trespasses, we should be thinking of that stumbling, falling or slipping or deviating from the truth. Caught up in these two definitions are all the types of sins that are mentioned throughout Scripture. And the bottom line is, all of us have fallen short of the requirement of perfection. All of us, just as it says in Romans 3.23. And as we read through Scripture, I believe God constantly emphasises that all of humanity is in the same boat. Before we came into a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, we were the enemies of God. 
destined to face his judgment and his wrath. We had no ability to save ourselves. We had no ability to pay the price of sins. So Jesus willingly did what needed to be done for us, what needed to be done for me. And it's when I understand the depth of my sin, how much I have been forgiven, that I can willingly forgive others. But we must forgive. It is not an option. And we're warned against an attitude of unforgiveness. And when I look back at verse 12 and the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, ask God to forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And it would seem that Jesus well understood our nature and that's why he emphasizes this point in verses 14 and 15. Think about what is being said here in verse 15. Jesus is not pulling any punches. God condemns an unforgiving spirit. If you do not forgive the sin of others, God will not forgive you. And it's reasonable to ask why. And I believe there's many, many things throughout Scripture, but I want to mention just two uh, this evening. Time restricts us. Firstly, I believe we haven't really understood what Jesus has done for us when he came and died upon the cross in my place. His act, which forgave all my sins, regardless of how great they were. And it's the same for you. When you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, every sin you have ever committed, every sin you will commit, he paid the price for. Grace is free to us. But it came as a great price to Jesus. And my sin was the reason for that great cost. I want you to think about the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18. We're told that the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And one was called who owed 10,000 talents. And I'm not sure if you've really thought about what 10,000 talents is worth. But when we read that, we go, well, that's actually a lot of money. But if we were to take the 10,000 talents and the average wage that a person was earning in Jesus' day, how many years do you think this guy would have to work to pay that back? 200,000 years. It's an insurmountable death. It's a ridiculous sum to actually owe. And this man would never, ever repay that in his lifetime. And he's judged and it's ordered for him, his family, and his children to be sold. And the man begs for mercy. And the king, at great cost to himself, in his mercy, he forgives the servant and he cancels the debt. It's incredible. This servant had absolutely no way he could pay that debt. And so he throws himself at the feet of the king and he receives mercy. This guy freed from all his debts. I don't know about you, but if I was freed from that sort of debt, I'd be walking on cloud nine. It would be like receiving life afresh, life anew. And this guy goes out and he doesn't even look like he's celebrated. He gets out and he sees this other servant who owes him 100 denarii. And again, in that day and age, 100 denarii is about three months' wage. Of the, of the average person's wage. And this man, who had just been forgiven 200,000 years of work, nails this fellow servant to the wall 
He demands that he be paid. And the servant, the second servant, begs for mercy. But the first servant refuses, throws him in jail until his debt shall be paid. And the king hears what happened. He calls the first servant and he inflicts on him the original punishment because he was so unforgiving of his fellow servant when he himself had been forgiven so much. And the parable finishes with this verse. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. The point being made is that a Christian who will not forgive another is like a man who will not forgive a debt of a few thousand dollars when he himself has been forgiven a billion dollar debt. Secondly, I believe that if we don't forgive, we hinder God's purpose in this world. God desires that all men will be reconciled to himself. He wants unity in the church. And he said in John 13, 35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And when people look at God's church, when they look at us as a people, they should see our love for one another. They will not be evident if we're not forgiving each other. That will not be evident if we're snapping at each other's feet. That will not be evident if we're looking at a ways to bring others down, to seek revenge, to persecute others. If we're not forgiving of others, we'll have problems. We'll have problems ourselves because not forgiving affects us. Unfortunately, I, and I know Pastor Darrell, and I'm sure Pastor Jeff will be in on this as well, we've experienced way too many who are not willing to forgive. And in most cases, these people seem to take the moral high ground. They have a right to demand what they're doing. They have a right not to forgive these people. And in most cases, these people you know, just aren't willing to, to consider any other options. And there are others, though, who've suffered great injustices, which are obvious, but whether the reasons for the offence or not are justified, uh, the result is the same. People start down this path of holding a grudge, being resentful. They become bitter, and they are preoccupied with feelings of hatred or ill will towards the other. They desire the perpetrator to be exposed, to be held to account, preferably humiliated. And there is a desire to have everyone know what this other person has done. And scenarios begin to play out in their heads over and over. And these people dwell on what happened and replay in their minds, more often than not, with exaggerated details that keep churning over what happened. And ultimately, they end up wanting to get even. They want to seek revenge. And what I continue to find amazing is the people who are like this will say that it doesn't affect them. God says otherwise in the passage we're looking at tonight. And he also says that in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Jesus says, if you know there are issues between you and a brother, then your worship is affected. That's what it's saying here. He's saying, don't, don't make that offering. Don't come and make that offering. Go and sort things out with your brother first. Likewise, we're told in 1 Peter 3, 7, that husbands should live with their wives in an understanding way, honouring them 
Why? So that our prayers will not be hindered. Obviously, if we are dishonorable to our wives, if we do not treat them in an understanding way, if there's a breakdown and disunity, then our prayers will be hindered. When we dwell on offenses, we are claiming our right to seek revenge. But when I died to myself, I gave up my right for vengeance. Romans 12, 19 says, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. I often have to learn the hard way, but I'm slowly learning that God's ways are best. He will deal with injustices. He will repay the evil we face, either now in this life or in the one to come. Either way, he knows best, and I do try to leave it to him. When we don't leave it to him, we take on things which are part of our old nature. Think about Colossians 3.8. And we're told we must put away anger, wrath, malice, slander and obscene talk from our mouth. When we take on attributes and characteristics which are from our old nature, we kill the new man. We stop our personal spiritual growth. Our attitude hinders the growth of the local church. And we damage God's witness by claiming to be followers of him when in reality... We're not obeying his call on our lives. Our only out is to obey. And the only obedience is forgiveness. But what does that look like for us? I want to acknowledge that forgiveness isn't easy. It goes against our flesh. This is part of that conflict we have, the now and the not yet. We're not to be perfected and we have this desire to seek revenge. But when you begin to forgive others and continue to do so, it, it becomes easier over time. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. When we're not willing to forgive, it's toxic for us. There's a saying that's well known in churches, and I no doubt know that you've heard it before, that being unwilling to forgive is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. In many ways, that's what it's like not to forgive. It will affect every part of your life. So what does true forgiveness look like? It is you saying that you will not seek revenge. It is you relinquishing your right to get even. And you will have no expectation of compensation from that person. Think of Jesus and the price that he paid for each one of us. He doesn't expect any repayment for the huge price and the huge cost for him in redeeming us. When someone offends us, when someone moves against us, instead of seeking revenge, we'll bring it to God and we'll leave it in his hands. He extended his grace to us through Jesus, a gift I do not deserve. And as his follower, he's asking me to extend that same grace to those who offend me, a gift they do not deserve. We should choose to bless them, just like it says in Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute, bless and do not curse them. We ought to do good for those who hate us. 
Think of Jesus on the cross. Those who were gathered at the foot of the cross were those who beat him and nailed him to that cross. They never even thought about asking Jesus for forgiveness at that time. And yet he extended that forgiveness to them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we're called to be like him. We're called to love our enemies. We're called to pray good for those who mistreat us. And when we do, we live in a way that reveals Jesus, a love that goes beyond understanding. Romans 12, 21 calls us to not overcome, not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And this is a choice we need to make in each and every situation. We choose not to hold evidence. And you've heard the story about how I was removed from a church um, because of my first marital breakdown. And um, that church sent a couple of really nasty letters, terrible letters, um, to my wife and to myself, uh, to the new church that I went to. And uh, I I had a period of time where I found it very difficult to um, forgive that church, forgive those people. Uh, But I prayed it through and and I believe I got to this stage where I could actually forgive them Uh, and I I happily told people that I hold no grudges, I I don't actually um, have any ill feeling towards that church. Whenever I go back to that town, I actually attend that church when I go back there and there's still a number of people there who know me. And uh, I was sharing with one of my connect groups once about um, how I'd forgiven this church and uh, they said, oh, so how bad were things? I said, well, I've actually got the letters. I said, oh. Why? And I had to think about that. Here I am saying I'd forgiven this church. And yet I had the letters because I wanted the evidence. And I wanted to be able to pull them out and show people how bad they were. Had I forgiven them? Really? I might have said it. I might have acted like it. But I had these letters and uh, praise God when, when that was revealed to me, when that person asked me that question after Connect Group that night, I burnt those letters. So, uh, and that's what we have to do. We have to choose to forgive. We have to choose to not hold any evidence. We have to not call those things to mind. We have to choose to never mention it again. To the person who's caused the offence, we never mention it. To someone who asks, we never mention it. To anyone else, we don't mention it. To myself, I, I refuse to replay what happened in my mind. I refuse to go over those things. This is part of girding up our mind and rejecting those thoughts of revenge that Satan would have us dwell upon. He wants to break down relationship in the church. He wants to see things separated. He wants to see dissension and disunity in us as a people of God who God has called to unity, to love each other, to come together. You choose to take it to the cross and ask God to help you to forgive. It's about continuing to forgive too. Matthew 18 says to forgive 70 times, 7 times. So when you've forgiven your brother 490 times, that's it. He's done. End of story. 
no, definitely, that is not what is supposed to happen. The reason why it is said is so that you don't actually keep account. It's like when you forgive and forgive again, don't worry about it. Just keep on forgiving. That is what Jesus does. That is what you should do. Forgive and to continue to forgive. You are to keep no record of evil. What does that mean? No record of evil. So even when it comes to this 70 times 7, well, you'll be back to number one time of forgiveness because you didn't remember the last one. You put it aside. You said, I'm not going to remember it anymore because I keep no record of evil. If you don't think you can forgive, you're possibly right. And I think it's these times when we struggle in prayer with our Lord. We come to him and we ask him to change our heart. We ask him to purify our minds. We ask him to give us that strength that we need in order to forgive. And I think at those times, we need to ask God to open our eyes to the reality of what he's forgiven us. Because it's in light of knowing how much he forgave me that I can so easily forgive others. I'm possibly showing my age. There'll be some people here who know Corey Ten Boom, and I'm assuming that won't be the high schoolers and uni students. Yeah, you're not a high schooler or uni student. Sorry, Scott. Yeah. So, but Scott does know Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom um, was caught up in the war, and her whole family um, were taken to some of those terrible camps. And Corey saw her family slaughtered and thousands upon thousands of other people. And there was a particular guard who was particularly cruel and mean and she saw this man do some terrible things to her family and, and to others within that camp, the concentration camp. And Corey, after the war, um, became an evangelist, I suppose. She, she went around the world speaking for the Lord and speaking about her experiences and how God provided for her during that time. And in one of these evenings where she was speaking, uh, this guy came up the front. It was that guard. And he held out his hand to Corey. And he said, Sister, you've spoken about the forgiveness of God. Can you forgive me? And everything within her cried out against this. And that's natural. That's normal. But she realized standing before this man, how could she not forgive him? How could she not extend the same grace that she'd just been proclaiming to this man? I don't know how she did it, but she did. She forgave him. That's the type of thing we're talking about. As difficult as it is, there's people we don't want to forgive. But it's clear from God's word we have to. Some people say they won't forgive. But what we've read tonight is that if you won't, neither will God forgive you. And I really hope, if that's the case for you, you never need God's forgiveness. Let's pray. Father, what a word. Lord, I thank you for the challenges that have come to me through studying this, Lord.
And Lord, I pray for each of us that you'll give us hearts that are so willing to forgive. And Lord, I know there's people sitting here now who are really struggling with this. Lord, don't let them hear my voice. Let them go to your word. Let them see the truth of what has been said. Let them understand this is your call, your command for them. If they're unwilling to forgive, neither will you forgive them. Father, break us and open our eyes to just how much Jesus Christ forgave me, how much Jesus Christ forgave each one of us. And in light of that, let us be willing to allow your grace, your love and your forgiveness to flow from us to others. And Lord, may it begin here in SDBC first and foremost and then overflow from here to those around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.